Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm here in our online studio with Greg Steer. Uh, Greg is an evangelist, author, speaker, founder of Dare to Share Ministries. He's also the husband, the husband to Debbie, dad to Jeremy and Kaylee. Greg, thanks for being with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. Uh, no, thank you so much for joining. Uh, I followed your ministry for for quite some time, and uh, I'm just really thankful for the way that you consistently put Jesus in front of youth workers um, in our ministries. And um, yeah, I'm excited to talk with you today about the role of the gospel in both evangelism and discipleship, the need for good, sound doctrine in evangelism. And uh, so before we dive into that conversation, it's always fun to hear a bit about our guests as teenagers. So Greg, what was your first car? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Maybe your first car accident or, or speeding ticket or uh, tell us a story about you and your first car. Yeah, I had a 1965 uh, Ford Galaxy and it was a beautiful car, turquoise paint job, leather seats. Uh, and I blew the engine in a month, one month oh, no. of purchasing the car. Wow. So that's why I got it for so cheap. But my next car was a 1966 Ford Fairlane yeah. that had a 285 V8, was being turned into a, a stock car, had a Hurst speed shifter, um, uh, converted from a three on the tree to three on the floor. Yeah. I left rubber for 105 feet once. Yes, we went oh, back and, and measured it. And uh, <laughs> it looked like a granny car, but it was fast. And yeah. so my son asked me, he's like, Dad, why don't you like the Fast and Furious movies? And I was like, because I was a teenager in the 80s, and every stoplight was Fast and Furious. <laughs> it was awesome. And you I don't need to watch the movie. I lived it. <laughs> that's right. This is back when Romans 13 did not apply to laws. Of speeding, <laughs> and I just you know it, it was. I will go back and talk about that in a little the bit. The autobahn <laughs> everywhere I went. I'm a child of the king, and he has no speed limits. Oh, oh man. man, it was it was fun. Yeah, that's amazing. And I got in ten it. wrecks. I've been in ten car accidents. So there's yeah, it doesn't always work out. Wow. Yeah. It's, well, when every stoplight is a uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious movie, that's. That's going to happen. It does happen. So uh, there are consequences. No, there are consequences, kids. Yes, yes. So a, a quick note for any of our listeners here: if you're ever at a conference with Greg Steer and he offers to drive your group of students, say yes. He, he may not pass your church's drivers requirements. <laughs> but you will have new sermon illustrations. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. I was on a missions trip once in Biloxi, Mississippi, and we had two 12-passenger vans. I should not be telling the story. Oh, tell it. Tell and it. We, we may have, the associate pastor and I were both leaders on the trip, and we may have hit 
triple digits. Oh yeah, <laughs> racing twelve passenger vans. Yes. Oh, that was a really stupid decision. So you. That was yeah. It was a bad. Do not do that, youth don't, leaders. Don't do this. We would never. We, were, we would never do that again. But we were glad we did it once. That's what we, we both say. looked at each other afterwards and thought that was a really bad decision. Bad idea. Yeah. Bad so, idea. Anyway, we have we technically we have we technically have to say that. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Um, so you've also written a, a book recently, Unlikely Fighter, about your uh, your teen years and your testimony. Could you just share a little bit about uh, what's that book all about and uh, what's the benefit of that uh, biography and autobiography for, for youth workers? You know, it's interesting. So I've written 22 books and mostly for youth leaders and teenagers. This is the first one yeah. I wrote for a general market. Mm-hmm. But it really actually ties in with youth leaders and teenagers. Uh, yeah. It's 22 yeah. chapters long. First 21 chapters happened before I turned 16. It's really about being raised in a home of violent. I was raised in a family full of bodybuilders and street fighters. And my family was, you know, in and out of jail. I was a one night stand. I was not tough. I was like young Sheldon in the hood. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrified of my own family. I was raised in, you know, every city's got a city within the city. I was raised in the mm-hmm. highest crime area here in Denver, Colorado, and <clears throat> my family had something to do with that crime rate. And a hillbilly preacher nicknamed Yankee, for whatever reason, on yep. a dare, yep. reached my toughest uncle, and one by one, my family members came to Christ. Yankee ran a youth ministry. He had 300 adults in his church. We had 800 teenagers in the youth group. Because he believed the fastest way to reach the city was through the young. So he trained us, yeah. equipped us. Yeah. And it was interesting. Like I got, you know, a systematic theology set and a, a, a stack of gospel tracks. And Yankee mm-hmm. was like, we're going to teach you theology and we're going to yeah. teach you evangelism and we're going to teach you at the same time. So Love I've it. always, it's, it's interesting. I've always been a student of theology. People know yeah. me for evangelism and training and dare to share, but if you've ever been to a Dare to Share event, you know it's actually very theological. Mm-hmm. And I think teens can absorb it. Sound truth and sound bites. And anyway, but The Unlikely Fighter, um, you can get it on Amazon. It's on uh, Audible. It's worth mm-hmm. listening to because it really does make a case for the power of the gospel and the potential of yeah. young people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially if you have lived a very clean life, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, it, it really... Uh, it can be very helpful to to explore um, and understand. You know, it, it's not. Um, yeah, th- th- there's real benefit to going there through someone else's eyes who has come through with the gospel, such as well, yourself. Well, and I was trauma- I was a traumatized kid, Mike. Yeah. I mean, it it I didn't really realize that until I wrote the book. Yeah, and I'd call my wife, and I'm like, "Why am I crying?" why am I bawling my eyes out? Cause I'm not a crier. And she's like, cause you're going in that time machine and you're going back. And I yeah. realized, you know, being raised in this situation, not having a dad, almost being aborted, seeing yeah. so much violence, not just violence, extreme violence yeah. growing up, how much it, you know, damaged me. And a lot of our kids are, you know, they're coming through their own versions of that today. Yeah. And whether it's violence or anxiety or whatever. So I actually think this is a really strong youth ministry book. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. So as you uh, as you reflect on uh, not just the book, but your your story, your testimony, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know the Lord has has led you through um, just really a, a wonderful emphasis on evangelism and equipping youth workers and yeah. students directly 
to to evangelize. How how do you see those threads all pulling together? How has your own story impacted your calling to equip others for evangelism? It is the thread. I mean, the yeah. gospel gospel is not something you taste and then set aside at the moment of salvation. It's it's something that continues to dominate every aspect of your life. Yeah. Um, I think that's why you have weekly communion. Uh, it's a it's a con- not everybody has weekly communion. I think the early church they did. Um, but it's a constant, relentless reminder of our need of Christ and Him crucified. The the gospel message, you know, <clears throat> was so powerful for me. You know, I I think poor. I was raised poor in apartment complexes, trailer courts, single mom, qualified for welfare, too proud to take it. Poor people scratch lotto. Rich people don't normally scratch lotto tickets. It's poor people that do that because they're scratching really for hope. That's why I think yep. Jesus said, you know, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. I, you know, they're looking for hope. I think I don't think it was just being nice. I think it was being strategic. Um, and that message of the gospel that, man, I'm not, I, I have a ticket to heaven. I think sometimes we mock that. That's a big deal. But we also have a train ride to identity, belonging, and purpose here on earth, you know. So it right. is a ticket to right. heaven, but it's, a, it's, it's, it's eternal life as, with, and for. It's life as a child of God. It's life with the people of God. It's life for the mission of God. So you get every, yeah. everything a teen needs is identity, belonging, and purpose. You know, the three big questions that Dr. Carapel talked about, all of that is answered in the gospel. And yeah. heaven. Yeah. Woo! You know, I say, right. we Wonderful. won the lotto. So, we won the lotto. So what is the gospel, right? I mean, we can talk about the gospel yeah. all we want. And sometimes I hear, um, you know, even just recently went to um, winter camp with, with my students. And, um, the guy talked around the gospel, but I don't think that he really ever actually preached the gospel. Um, so I think there's a lot of confusion sometimes Uh. when it comes to talking about the gospel and about doing evangelism and talking about the gospel is not the same thing as actually proclaiming the gospel. So can you walk us through what is the gospel? One, it drives me nuts, just to I let you know. I sit there I can't and even, Greg. I can't even. I, I go to things where people are preaching the gospel, but they don't preach the gospel. And I literally feel like charging. One time, this guy gave an altar call at a massive thing. I ran down the aisle when he did the response <laughs> to be saved. They Everybody thought the Dare to Share guy was getting saved. I was actually going down to explain to everybody who came down what the actual gospel was. I got, this yeah. guy don't know what he's talking about. Um, so Paul tells us what the gospel is. First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. You know, what I received, I also pass on to you at first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He's raised three days later according to the scriptures. You know, boom. He just identifies. Now, that was a pre-Pauline creed that he had been trained in. He received yep. it. And then he passed it on to others. And so if you look at that original kind of creed, what we know is the death, the burial, and the resurrection is central to the gospel message. So what we did at Dare to Share 30-something years ago, and we've adjusted this acrostic over the years, but we developed an acrostic to kind of be not just a creed that we memorize, but a story that students can share. And it's Mm -hmm. G-O-S-P-E-L, tells the whole story of the Bible. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. G, 
God created us to be with him. Genesis 1 and 2, we're made in his image for his glory, made to be in fellowship with him, right? The whole story of Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, is our sin separated us from God? Genesis 3, right? They sin. They're immediately corrupted. Uh, they're kicked out of the garden. They're evicted from God's presence. Ultimately, the, the result of that is hell. You know, the wrath of God is poured out on those who uh, reject Christ. And so that's our wages of sin is death. Our sin separates from God. S is sins cannot be removed by good deeds. You see that from Genesis 4 through Malachi 4. The whole Old Testament, the blood, the, the, the sweat and the tears could not remove their sin. The blood of all the Old Testament sacrifices, the sweat of trying to obey those 613 Old Testament commands, the tears of contrition when they failed to do, none of that stuff could remove. The turn, the try, the cry, all the stuff could not remove our sin. Yeah. So P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, we see where God sent his son to become the God-man. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live, and then he died. And we talk about substitutionary atonement with students, uh, that Jesus died in our place for our sins on the cross. He screamed, it is finished. That meant the price of our sin had been paid in full. He was buried. He rose from the dead three days later, proving he was God. And now E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. We use the word trust specifically. You know, the book of John, and that's kind of where we talk about John, uses the believe, like the word believe 98 times. Too many times in the American sense, it's just intellectual assent. The word believe in the Greek means to trust in or rely upon. It's a full faith in Christ and what he's done in our place on the cross. And then life, everyone who trusts in him alone is eternal life. The L is life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Those acts of revelation. So it's eternal life in heaven, yes, but again, the train ride identity belonging your purpose here on earth so we have students actually memorize it to create what we call gospel fluency we have an app called life in six words based on that we have free curriculum based on that we build everything on that g-o-s-p-e-l get the kids to memorize it and then articulate it and remember it for themselves yeah yeah and i know when um i was a young youth pastor um Loosely speaking, <laughs> uh, that, that propaganda video came out, mm. um, and it was huge everywhere. Super, super helpful, and uh, just helping students understand um, those the life in six words, and then um, building it's, off of that. Yeah, so, I still use that. You know, it's funny yeah. is we produced yeah. that for a Dare to Share event, yeah, and then we put it up on YouTube. We had no idea what a viral video was until oh, that day. So yeah. we've actually built our app around life in six words. So yeah. it's it's still, even though it's not built around the, the video, that yeah, whole yeah. concept, man, that yeah. prop did, he just did a phenomenal job at yeah. laying that, that awesome. out. So yeah. good. Yeah, that video holds up. Um, yeah. I, I, st- I used it just recently in my um, mission strip training. So yeah, good. Yeah, so th- thanks for that still. Uh, so it, it's just really, really important that we actually know the gospel. Yes, um, it is. And... Uh, the way that the way that I, I usually put it is uh, there's a, a narrow gospel and a broader gospel, right? That the narrow gospel is um, right. God um, God saves sinners through Jesus. Yeah. Right. That's that's that is the gospel, right? Hmm. How does it really is cross an empty tomb oriented? Yeah. Um, that is the gospel. But the gospel is also just the broad sweep, right? The broader gospel, the broad sweep. Mm. Of creation, fall, redemption, glorification. Yeah. 
That's right, it. the whole story, <clears throat> the whole go- right, gospel in six words type of thing. Um, but it's just really frustrating to hear, to go to evangelistic rallies, to go to camp, and to hear the speaker talking to kids about their need for the gospel and talking to kids about the rewards of the gospel or the fruit of the gospel or the promises of the gospel without really ever talking about sin or the cross or the empty tomb. So I'm just like, thinking, uh, you didn't actually preach the gospel. No, you talked you didn't. about our need for the gospel yeah. and you talked about the, 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 the product of the gospel, the, the, the outflow of the gospel, but you never actually preached the gospel. Well, and and I think a lot of, yeah, I fully agree. And the way I describe that, it's like, it's like a comedian setting up a joke and not giving the punchline. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, I don't understand, you know, that, that message yeah. and just receive yeah. Jesus. Okay. What, what does that mean? Yeah. I just received Jesus based on what, right? I have yeah. a need, you know, it's sin. God loves me, but there's a problem, right? A big one. We're on a highway to hell. ACDC mm-hmm. was right about one thing, right? Yeah, sure were. But then Jesus paid the price and, and the, by faith in him. I actually think there's a lot of these, uh, a lot of preachers need training in how to give the gospel. And it's yeah. so, we're accountable before God, you know? And I think the other thing is sometimes we I hear a lot of people slipping in works. It's really about what I do. Like, um, you know, if, if I commit or the, I think sometimes there's a temptation to get a big, like would, who, who would commit to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, a Christian can respond to that. Right. And yeah. unbelievers doesn't exactly know what that means, but they're like, Oh yeah. So you get a huge response, yeah. but how many understood the gospel and put their faith in Christ? So I usually do two calls. I do a call to yeah. the unbeliever. Yep. where I clearly lay out the cross and faith alone and Christ alone. And then I do a call to the believer. Like, okay, maybe whatever, depending on what I'm talking about. You know, he's yeah. going all yeah. in or sharing the gospel or committing to spiritual disciplines, whatever I'm yeah. preaching about. So Yeah. No, that's good. It's just, I, I think, I mean, so a youth pastor theologian, right? So it's like, oh, super nerdy stuff, like whatever. It's like, no, this is just youth ministry. Like, this is just the gospel, right? Like, we we need sound doctrine in our evangelism every bit as much as we do in our discipleship, if not more. Otherwise, we're inviting students to become Christians. We're assuring them of their salvation, but they didn't actually understand the gospel and they were never truly converted, and then they wonder why their faith didn't work. Yeah. So then they deconstruct and walk away. Well, they never really understood the gospel um, or had a solid foundation for their faith to begin with. So could you just kind of just reflect a bit on, on your experience and oh, yeah. on your biblical foundations for the necessity <clears throat> of good theology, sound doctrine, and evangelism? Yeah, I, I I would say in everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Evangelism is you know it starts there. I mean, you, if you're going to lead someone to Christ, you have to you have to share the gospel. I mean, <clears throat> Paul says, "I determined to know nothing among you except for Christ and Him crucified." Um, somebody attribute some people attribute this to Spurgeon, 
when he said, I take my text and I make a beeline for the cross. Here's the way I put it. Anywhere you put your hand in the dirt of scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, no matter what, you feel around enough, you're going to find a scarlet rope. And you pull that up and you follow that and it'll end up wrapped around a bloody cross. So whatever you're preaching on, you make a salvation segue and you preach that because I don't know how God infused divine power into a stick that Moses used to open up the Red Sea. I don't know how God infused divine power into a message that when we preach it out loud with words, that people are blasted from darkness to light and the Holy Spirit activates that in their soul. There's something Mm -hmm. powerful. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So it is crucial to have sound theology in evangelism and discipleship. Um, You know, I mean, we talk about heaven, hell, judgment day, the cross, substitutionary atonement. This last summer we did a whole, our whole theme was the Trinity at our full week lead the cause event in Colorado. But we made it, here's where I think a lot of theology screws up. It's not because yeah. it's bad theology. It's because it's, they don't communicate in a way that a middle schooler can absorb it. So we call it, we create sound truth. You got to teach sound truth in sound bites yeah. and you got to make it immensely personal. So let me just give you an example of that. So I was preaching on the Trinity once and I talked about, Hey, <clears throat> there's the father, the son, the Holy spirit, one God, three persons use the classic Trinitarian graph. Mm-hmm. I said, here's the deal. You are invited in, not members of, but invited in to the fellowship of the Trinity. And I use the passage in John 14 when Jesus said, the Father and I will make our abode in with you. I'll send the Holy Spirit. So you're never alone. So when you, through the blood of Christ, you're invited into that fellowship. So when you're alone at school at a cafeteria table, you're not really alone. The Father's across from you, the Son's at your right hand, and the Spirit's at your left hand. You're not we, I, got a, I got a note from a girl. She said, Dear Mr. Steer, I've attempted suicide several times. I feel so isolated and alone. Nobody cares about me. But for the first time, I realize I'm not alone. I'll never attempt suicide again. She was a 12-year-old girl named Lily that was transformed by the theology of the Trinity. Yeah. So I think yeah. we just got to break it down mentally. These kids are taking advanced calculus, all these you know, stuff. Dude, they can get stuff. But then we got to make it super personal. So last year at our summer event, we did the classic, you know, graph. Mm -hmm. Then we had it up on stage on a piece of plexiglass. I had a girl painting it from the backside. So as I'm preaching on it, I went down in the audience. I met a girl named Chloe. I brought her up. I painted her hand red and we placed it right on the front side of that plexiglass. I go through the blood of Christ. You're invited in to the fellowship of the Trinity. This kid in the audience fell to his knees and screamed out, I belong, I belong, bawling his eyes out. I mean, the power of theology that's accurately taught in a way that teenagers can download. It's like having a vitamin, but there's, you know, you you not just need the vitamin, you need the stuff that helps it absorb into your system. So we need the vitamin of theology, but we need to communicate it in a way with movie clips or graphs or things. Uh, visual aids to help them grasp it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that that is spot on with the vision and mission of what we're even trying to do here with youth pastor theologian. Um, awesome. I mean, just the way I describe what what we're about is we're we're not theology professors in the youth room, 
right? Like we're not just like practicing theology on our kids until we can teach in like a Bible college. Yeah. Right? We're youth pastors who want to give students uh, a faith that's big enough for them to grow into yep. rather than a teenage sized faith that they're going to grow out of. Yeah. Um, I love that. And so do we really like we have, you know, seminary trained youth pastors who know all the doctrine, but are they equipped to be able to do what you're saying and to communicate it clearly and to apply it past pastorally to yep. real teenagers? And then we have other youth pastors who who love the Lord, or amazing, faithful youth workers, um, but they've just never had the benefit of theological training and foundation, and are are just a bit overwhelmed and intimidated and say, well, I don't want to teach false doctrine by accident, so I'm just not going to go there. And so how can we take sound doctrine and apply that in, in the field of youth ministry? And that's really what we're trying to do here. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just, it. I'm really thankful for the way that you've embodied a lot of that, uh, especially in, in the world of evangelism. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you're doing. It's, it's, <clears throat> You know, when you have an, you know, for years we did massive conferences. Now we do a, a live simulcast. Yeah. Um, but when you communicate in truth that way, you have to do it in a way that really, you know, goes down to the eighth grade middle school boy. That's kind of your test is like, okay, does, do they get it? Right. Yeah. And, but it's transformational. And I think that's the thing a lot of people think theology is cold and dead. I'm like, well, I don't know. When I was a 15 year old, my grandma told me, hey, some preacher dropped by a eight-volume systematic theology, Lewis Berry Chafer set. And I read it, and I wept. Because for me, it was helping clarify, like, who is my father in heaven? I never knew my earthly dad, but I got a father. I mean, it's salvation. I mean, it, it moved me. Um, so I've never looked at theology as dead, but alive. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so I think it's so important. You know, we talk about um, five core truths that can unite us. Um, 5G theology, God, God's Son, God's Word, God's Spirit, Gospel. Um, and that these are the five core truths that if, if we agree with, with other youth pastors, we can unite in a yeah. city, put our hands in the middle. We may differ on ecclesiology and eschatology and, you know, sign gifts or not sign gifts or whatever. Yeah. But if we agree on the core stuff, then we can unite together to reach every teen in that city. So yeah. it's part of our, part of the way that we train to build what we call gospel advancing networks in a city. Mm -hmm. No, that, that's good. Um, so when we think about the gospel, Mm -hmm. Right, a, a lot of people immediately think about evangelism for a good reason. Right, we yeah. think about the gospel and we think about evangelism. Um, what role does the gospel have in discipleship? Yeah, I think it's well, you know, to use the classic, you know, we've been saved from the power of sin, you know, the penalty of sin. We're, we're, we're being saved by the, you know, the, the power of the gospel, you know, that ongoing sanctification, and we will be saved from the presence of sin. Um, <clears throat> so being saved from the penalty of sin, being saved from the power of sin, will be saved from the presence of sin. So you look at 
the majority of the impact of the gospel is post-conversion, right? And and every day the sanctification process, you know, is a, is a continual return back to the the bloody cross and the empty tomb. And so I think it's really really important. You know, we don't just stop at Romans five; we go to Romans six and seven and eight, and the rest of the book. But I mean, for the when it comes to sanctification. And to let let students know it is a it, you know that's core to how we how we grow. And I think also at the same time being able to articulate that message of the gospel to their peers. Um, the illustration I use is of a sponge and milk. So I think in a Western mindset we think well we just need to pour the, the theology of the gospel and theology into the sponge of their minds. And well, the Christian schools do that. And what are they producing? I mean, I, I've spoken, the, the most terrifying speaking event I've done is not in a Muslim part of, uh, or a Hindu part of India. It's a Christian school. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> because if they don't squeeze it out, the milk spoils. And I think we have to help students absorb the milk of the gospel, but then squeeze it out to their friends. Theology and squeeze it out in discipleship. And the gospel is the centerpiece of all that. I think the gospel is the, you know, Christ, him crucified, risen from the dead. It's the, it's the foundation of all of our theology. Yeah. So and, it's and, super and, important. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so if, if the gospel invites us into fellowship with Christ, right, if, um, you know, re- reformed theology, right, talks about, a lot about union with Christ. If that's not just a theological concept, but if that actually means that I have been united with Christ yeah. um, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, yep. and that God the Father, when God loves me, he loves me with the same love that he gives to God the Son. That God loves me with a divine love, not just a human love. That God yep. loves me with the same love that He gives to Jesus. How so could that this, possibly so they, not transform everything? Yeah. So what? Is, what is what is the big challenge today? Is identity? How do you self-identify? Yeah. And I was preaching that day. I go, "Hey yeah, kids, you know how I self-identify?" And they all looked up. I go, "As a child of God, been united with Christ through the blood of the Lamb." And that's and then once you get that right, all that other stuff clicks begins to click into place you know because there is an identity challenge and you know but yeah. you get them to the gospel people always talk about well how do you reach these non-binary kids or a student is transgender or whatever I'm like get them get them the get them the gospel help them to really find their identity yeah. and then we'll figure that we can figure that other stuff out as we go yeah. now they got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them you know to, to give them the power and desire to turn from sins and turn yeah. toward Christ. And man, it's just powerful. So it's so yeah. essential to get the gospel yeah. right and keep preaching it. Yeah. Amen. So as you, you, you talk a lot about gospelizing your youth ministry. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, um, seven years ago, we did a research project and we found in the hundreds of youth ministries that we surveyed, only 10% of them were seeing 25% new conversion growth per year. But all 10%, everyone from urban, suburban, rural, Pentecostal to Presbyterian, 
had seven things in common. I cross-checked that with the book of Acts, those seven things all over. Cross-checked with the gospels, the epistles. I'm like, oh my goodness. Cross-checked it with youth ministry and 90% of the youth ministries aren't, aren't doing this, right? No. And so um, I was actually working out and I heard it. I listen to Spurgeon sometimes. I'm such a nerd. When I work out, somebody... You say here, that like you're apologizing. Hearspurgeon.com. <laughs> and I'm listening to this this guy reads Spurgeon sermons and he uses the word gospelize. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, I found out that was the old English word for evangelize. So technically we call the term gospel advancing, but yeah. slang for that is to gospelize yeah. your youth ministry. And that is yeah. to infuse these seven values yeah. um, into your youth ministry. All right, what so mean. what are those seven values? So again, again, okay, I'll tell you, it's creating a yeah. context where youth ministry yeah. thrives, uh, for evangelism thrives. Yeah. Um, number one, intercessory prayer fuels it. So the number yeah. one characteristic of the youth groups that were really thriving, they prayed for the lost by name, which should not surprise us because Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, first of all, Timothy, when you're programming the, the church of Ephesus rundown sheet, intercessory prayer. We spend more time in announcements and intercessory prayer for the lost and wonder why we don't have revival, right? Well, Ephesians, I mean, uh, second Tim, I mean, 1 Timothy 2 tells us why. Secondly, yeah. uh, relational evangelism drives it. So students are given gospel urgency, gospel fluency, and some sort of gospel strategy. Third is leaders fully embrace and model it. This is not just a series they do on evangelism. This is a life they live. And not just the youth leader, but the adult leaders and the student leaders, right? They're setting the pace. Fourth is a disciple multiplication strategy guides it. There's some sort of plan to move people from unbeliever to disciple maker over the course of time. So there's some sort of, and the strategy can change from group to group, but there's some sort of strategy in place and beyond just the, oh yeah, they raised their hand at a meeting or they've yeah, checked yeah. the box. But there's a growth and multiplication strategy. Fifth is a bold vision focuses it. So there was a bigger, bolder vision from, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Uh, sixth is biblical outcomes measure it. So there's, they're measuring the right kinds of things, which is not attendance. It's things like new conversion growth, spiritual maturation points, et cetera. And the last is ongoing programs reflect it. So our programs reflect our priorities. Just like the, uh, in Acts 6, when the apostles said, we're not going to go wait on tables. We're going to commit ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. Their program yep. is reflected their yep. priorities. Yeah. I so those that. seven things are all in a book, Gospelize Your Youth Ministry. By the way, it's a free download on our website. So if you just look up Gospelize Your Youth Ministry, Greg Steer, you can buy a hard copy, but you can download it for free from our website. Um, so as we as we wrap up our conversation, I, I still have so many questions uh, and things that I'd love to talk with you about. Um, but time is what it is. So, um, any final words for our listeners, uh, maybe about, uh, the centrality of the gospel and evangelism and discipleship and, uh, the place of sound doctrine and all of that. Yeah. You want your kids to grow theologically, biblically, get them to go. When they start sharing the gospel, they're going to come back with questions like, why do we believe in the Trinity? I just talked to a Muslim that says that's heresy. Uh, why do we believe the Bible is the Word of God? The, the Mormons got a different book, right? Why do we believe? They're going to start asking you questions. Um, 
Because that sponge illustration, you know, once you pour the milk of the gospel in and theology and they squeeze it out, they come back thirsty for more. So get your students sharing the gospel. Don't think it's the 401 class. By the time they get to 401, they're already institutionalized. Yeah. Uh, get them sharing the gospel from square one and help them grow as they go. And you're going to unpack so many theological conversations along the way. But it's not going to be theoretical. It's going to be real-life conversations. Uh, and then turn that and show them how immensely practical all this theology is. Uh, and especially the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Uh, do you have any uh, book recommendations for, for youth workers who want to read more on evangelism and the gospel? Obviously, I'll link to your books uh, in the show notes here. Uh, but uh, any other books that you would recommend? You know, 21st Century Youth Ministry was a book that Chap Clark put together with five different views. And uh, Gospel Advancing, I wrote one of the chapters. It's one of the views. And you kind of compare and contrast um, with the different views of youth ministry. Um, I stand by Gospel Advancing. I'm like, to me, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to read the book of Acts and think that there's, you know, a more sophisticated way to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be that'd be a good book. And I, I really would, not to self-promote, Gospelize Your Youth Ministry. Yeah. yeah. If you're a youth leader and you have a choice between Unlikely Fighter and Gospelize, choose Gospelize. Because it's it's really going yeah. it, to, uh, we just rewrote an edition of it with Global Stories. It's starting to blow up around the world, the concepts, because mm -hmm. they're not, we didn't develop them. We discovered them. They're, yeah. We call it a radical new paradigm that's 2,000 years old. So. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Luke's going to give me a subpoena in heaven. Nice. I love it. Plagiarism. Hey, Greg, thank you so much for your life, for your faithfulness, for your ministry. Um, and thanks for your time. Thanks for what you do, Mike. Uh, students need sound theology and they need the gospel right smack dab in the middle of it. Amen. Couldn't agree more. So thanks to our listeners for, for listening in. And um, let's make sure you check out some of Greg's resources and recommendations here. I also want to uh, remind you of a plug for the Youth Pastor Theologian book that we've made available for free download. When you subscribe to the YPT website, you'll get an email with the download uh, link to get that book. So it's Youth Ministry, it's Theological Ministry. It's an invitation for Youth Pastor Theologians. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus and we'll see you next week.